Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Cookbook Circle podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Victoria. And we've set out to review the UK's most popular cookbooks, those that you probably have at home and haven't opened in a while. We take one cookbook each episode to cook from and to stress test, digging out their best recipes, bringing them to life again, and hopefully inspiring you to do so too. Hello. Hi. Where have you been? What you seen? Who'd you know? <laughs> well, well, life is good because I went out today. What? You left the house? I left the house and went further than the co-op that is underneath my house. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go? Well, I went on a little bit of an adventure, but I ended up at a new Asian supermarket that's opened that is called Tian Tian. So I think they have another branch, but they've just opened what one at Aldgate in East London and it's giant it's the biggest mm. Asian supermarket I've maybe ever seen wow and you've been to Asia <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess it doesn't count <laughs> okay we're not counting Asia we're saying the biggest Asian supermarket you've seen in the UK <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah but that raises a good point that um, if anyone's ever lived in Japan, there's a supermarket called Sunny and they sell a lot of like Asda stuff, like actual Asda brand. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. They, they always had Asda chocolate, which chocolate in Japan is shit. Yeah, but the snacks are so good. I didn't miss the chocolate. Did you not like Crunky Pop Joy or whatever it was called? It's <laughs> my favorite snack. Oh my God. And then there was like the crisps that were coated in chocolate. Loved them as well. Yeah. That was weird. And Pocky, obviously. Obviously. I'm more of a like bakery fiend in Japan. All the like sweet bakery treats. So there's a it's not a bakery but one of the convenience stores does this it's called a mochi mochi choco bun I think. <laughs> and it- <laughs> that's their band name of the week <laughs> 
And it's like a chewy, chocolatey, like a brioche, but yeah, it must have some rice flour in it to give it that chew. Yeah. And then it's got like chocolate chips and my God, it's the greatest thing ever. And I miss it and love it and wish I could bring it or make it. Actually, I wish I could make it. <laughs> but also I thought Japanese, I, I didn't try any mochi 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 chip cake. Chip 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 cake. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that the Japanese do French bakeries better than the French themselves. Yes. <laughs> They've got some amazing things in there. They smell like crack. I don't know. I haven't smelled crack, but I can only imagine. And it, they do, they used to do these bread buns and it basically had just like a lump of cheese in the middle. And it was just an all in one oh cheese sandwich, but it was so delicious. <laughs> I just wanted to cry. I think I only discovered it about halfway through my very short time in Japan and I was so grateful because otherwise I would have like rolled on the plane. There was a place I'd go to pretty much every day on my way to work that would sell this. It was called a bacon epi. Just was like a bacon like twist. It was the nicest thing, like really crunchy, crispy on the outside, bacon in it. Oh, all twisted. Oh, oh, I miss it. A savory puff kind of pastry is just the ultimate thing just heaven and uh, we've totally digressed from your trip to the yeah. Asian supermarket they didn't have any bacon eppies but <laughs> what they did have was basically everything else I could have wanted spent a, <sighs> a lot of money I got actually your recommendation which was black pepper sriracha which <gasps> I hadn't seen before but you got it recently and I was like I have to have that obsessed with that it's so good it's a, it's a bit spicy it's obviously a bit peppery but I eat it on everything also sometimes when you go to fancy asian supermarkets i feel like it's it's quite expensive but this mm. place was very very reasonably priced i didn't think anything was like whoa that's expensive yeah when you were checking out did you tell them that you work for a podcast and they said you could have a discount <laughs> if you mentioned yeah. how reasonable they were and how much they had in this supermarket <laughs> Maybe I did. <laughs> and head on down, guys, to TNTN, okay, East. <laughs> but it's going to be great. So they obviously at the moment, because we're still kind of locked down, they didn't have any fresh food or anything like that, apart from the bakery stuff. But it looks like they've got like a whole counter of what will probably be like sushi and like fresh stuff, which is great. And I also read that they're going to have the biggest selection of those little moons. You know, those mochi yeah. things that are filled with ice cream I think ah. so if that's your jam which I've never really tried them but I think I'd like them but I also feel like they're probably way overpriced yeah probably mochi the jury's still out for me on that one. Oh, really yeah do you know in Japan because obviously when I was there I didn't speak Japanese like a pleb but you did so like every time you bought something you were really rolling the dice yeah so I bought a couple of those and then it would be something weird in it and I'm not a big fan of that like red bean paste yeah and then it, I was obsessed with the like onigiri rice balls or rice like, triangles and I thought like they're all color-coded but they vary the colors per supermarket so I thought I'd be buying a very innocent one with egg or something and then one time it was just these tiny little tiny little fish you know the little and you could see their little eyes yeah. and they were really smoky and fishy and I yeah got burned a good few times in Japan actually yeah the onigiri thing is is such a gamble like yeah even when you speak Japanese also shout out to the Kombini boys on Twitter and they also have a podcast if you're interested in what Japanese convenience stores <laughs> sell they have a Twitter feed oh my and they're brilliant and hilarious and they tweet about all the new things that come out if that's what you're interested in that's your place to go on the internet they 
they are little treasure troves convini we could do an entire podcast on that <laughs> and we should <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about today that is not what we're here to talk about <laughs> we are here to talk about a new cookbook Woo-hoo! but let me remind you what we do here and remind ourselves <laughs> because we lose sight of it all the time <laughs> end up talking about on a giddy for two hours <laughs> so we went through as many of the best cookbook lists that we could find online we put the them all in one big nerdy old Google Sheet and we put together our own master list using some really beautiful pivot tables of the best cookbooks ever. And so each episode we take one of the cookbooks, we cook some dishes from it and we talk about it and at the end we give it a rating. And this episode we're talking about Morrow by Sam and Sam Clark. Yes, you heard that right. Can I tell you a little bit about Sam and Sam? Please. So Sam and and Sam Clark are a married couple with three children, presumably called Sam, Sam and Sam. (laughs) (laughs) The stories vary a little bit about how they actually met. One says that they were introduced by a mutual friend because his mutual friend found it entertaining that they both have the same name because they're not just Sam and Sam, they're actually both Sam Clark. What? Yeah, so the lady is Samantha Clark with an E and the man is Sam Clark without an E. And then they got married and they became Sam and Sam Clark minus the E. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to have been in the room where they had the conversation about whether to keep or drop the E. (laughs) Sam and Sam get in touch, let us know. So yeah, one story says that they were introduced by a mutual friend who found it entertaining. They had the same name. And then I read a piece by Samantha Clark where she said they met at the Eagle, which was kind of seen as one of the primary gastropubs in the UK. Mm-hmm. Tinder then. <laughs> like if it doesn't match up, you probably met on the internet. <laughs> Those cover stories are getting more and more elaborate. Actually, you have no idea how many people say on their dating profile, uh, can we say we met at a bar? <laughs> or like, Why? If anyone asks we met at a bar i don't know it's 2021 there's literally no other way to meet people i know absolutely thank you anyway moving on Let's not get into that now. So from there, they worked in the River Cafe, which is obviously quite famous. And it's known for very simply cooked food using really good ingredients. And this is kind of principle that they, they've they taken on to future things. So then they, they got married. And they when they were newly married, they took off in a camper van through Spain and Morocco to the Sahara. They said that this journey was this journey was all about learning <laughs> um, like new flavors and technique and making sure that the food that they cooked, which they, they had a real interest in kind of North African, Eastern Mediterranean, Spanish food, but they didn't want it to taste like it had been cooked by an Anglo-Saxon, basically. <laughs> Their words, not mine. And they wanted to learn more about the language of spice, which could also be our band name. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after we eat all that black pepper sriracha. (laughs) So they came back and they opened Morrow, the restaurant, in spring of 1997, which just won loads of awards at the time. And I think it's safe to say is still one of the best loved restaurants in London. It won the Time Out Award and the BBC Good Food Award for Best New Restaurant. And then they opened a second place called Morito on the Hackney Road in Mm -hmm. 2010. This book came out in 2003 
free. It's sold over 100,000 copies. Maro means more in Spanish. Mm. And that gives a hint to the type of dishes that were in here. Like I initially thought that Maro was all Spanish food. And then I was surprised when we got the book that there was a lot more Middle Eastern and just Eastern Mediterranean, North African dishes in there. So that was a pleasant surprise. Just like some Lebanese. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I thought the same. So that it was exciting. <laughs> you don't sound excited. <laughs> It was exciting. <laughs> this book appeared on three of our lists of all the lists that we scoured, which doesn't sound like much, but I thought it's time to call out the number of books that are on this list of ours because I yeah. looked earlier. I didn't count, but I just scrolled down. <laughs> Luckily, Excel does that for you. <laughs> There's 243 books on this list. So wow. by the number of lists that we looked at and the number of books on each of those lists, it, it is quite actually a, an accomplishment to be mentioned in three of those. Yeah, that's it. What were your first impressions of the book? So I, like you, was really pleasantly surprised because I feel indifferent to Spanish food. Sorry. Oh, gosh, you are like rolling them out these days. Last time it was <laughs> French food, this time it's Spanish food. <laughs> no, I don't feel badly about French food. I feel badly and like indifferent to the institution of French cooking. Yeah, that's fair. What a bore. <laughs> anyway, really happy to have this food podcast. No, I was really, really pleasantly surprised because, yeah, I feel it, I feel fairly indifferent to Spanish food, but it has such a variety. And actually, there's probably more. Moro. <laughs> so I have, an, I have an issue with the name and word Moro because in my Bromi accent, it just sounds horrible. Moro. If you don't speak <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my head, that's how it sounds every time I say it. <laughs> Did you guys have a chocolate bar called Amoro? I don't think so. Is it Boost here? Yeah, <gasps> there is a Boost. In Ireland, that was always called Amoro bar. Oh, what, spelt the same way, M-O-R-O? Yeah, spelt exactly the same way. No oh. Moorish flavours per se, <laughs> mostly chocolate, caramel and biscuit. But in my mind, one of the superior chocolate bars of the day. Yeah, I love a Boost. So, yes, I really was impressed. On my first look through, there was so many things I wanted to cook. I like the way it's kind of laid out. So it has like a starter section, split I think into meat and vegetarian and then it has a tapas section and then it has veggie mains and meat mains and there's lots of fish and there's some desserts it's just great I don't know if I was just very impressed because I didn't really have any expectations of it yeah but I was very very surprised what I will say is that I'm really sorry about any languages because there are a number in this book that I might murder whilst trying to pronounce things during this podcast so I really appreciate the fact that all the recipes are mostly written in English <laughs> after the Spanish or the Arabic so sorry about that okay that's your disclaimer noted so pleased to hear that you were impressed because we haven't talked about this at all we haven't <laughs> said anything no and I felt exactly the same way I've been so excited by it actually like I lived in Spain for a little bit I lived in Seville and just so many of the recipes made me remember just the incredible food there but also there's something about the font or the layout or something that everything is just looks so simple and kind of doable interesting combinations like there's a cod and tahini sauce which I didn't make but I've never had fish and tahini before and some of the dessert mm. things just look incredible yeah I just I've really fallen for this book actually I really really like it it's great 
I have too. And I, I like the way that after every recipe, there's a suggestion of what to serve it with. Or like in the beginning of the tapas chapter, there's, oh, this would be a good kind of mixture of textures and flavors. It would be a really good book if you were hosting. Yeah, yeah. It's what I could think about the most. Though I'm going to make that when I have people round eventually. And we'll talk about obviously what we made, but they're not giant recipes, but they're obviously scalable. <laughs> I think there's some stuff that you could take to a barbecue, you know, kind of pre-prepped. But yeah, I, I loved it as well. And I think, right, the way it's laid out, it doesn't feel daunting. No. There's nothing too scary about the, the ingredients or the, the methods of cooking. Yeah. And that was actually something I came across in one of the articles about them as well, is that they were kind of surrounded at this time by a lot of fine dining and leaves put on plates with tweezers. And they really wanted mm-hmm. to move away from that. They were really into the kind of rustic, simple, great ingredients. And yeah, that shines through. I really like that at the back, there's um, not only a supplier's index, but the seasonality section as well with just all the various fruit and veg that they mention and when it's in season. Just love that stuff. Should be everywhere. Yeah, me too. That feels quite ahead of its time as well. You can get anything at any time. Mm-hmm. People don't know because I don't know when a lot of things are in are in season. Yeah. So it's it's nice to have just that little note. Should I buy it now? Yeah. Is it going to taste shit if I do buy it? Maybe. That's the thing, isn't it? Because you can buy it probably whenever you want, but it, it tastes way better when it's actually yeah. in season, funnily enough. So what did you make? Okay, I cooked... Uh, three different things none of which were a disaster how exciting <laughs> they never are it was just that one time <laughs> the first thing I cooked which I love there's not much to say about it is the pea soup with jamon come on and mint jamon anyway lovely everybody loves a pea soup it's one of the great soups I like a pea and ham soup uh, you probably don't but <laughs> I've never made one before it was beautiful it was perfect and I really enjoyed making it it didn't take a long time mm. they say you can use fresh or frozen peas obviously I used frozen yeah I messed up a bit in terms of you're supposed to have with serrano ham which is obviously Spanish cured ham and I thought I'd picked up serrano ham but actually when I got home it was prosciutto which is <gasps> I was very annoyed about it what? but it still was supermarket cured ham. So I imagine it's all just the same. The one thing that the Spanish are religious about, apart from religion, is ham. It is insanely important there. It's on everything. Like as a vegetarian, I would order some tapas and you think, oh, I'll just order some potatoes because that's a safe bet, right? And yeah. Being Irish, I obviously have to sample them around the world. <laughs> and you would order like potatoes bravas or something and they would come with ham all over them oh no and that, that happens all the time there's like a there's a spanish soup called samarejo which is like a cold tomato soup and in some places it comes as it is in some places it comes with a boiled egg and in some places it comes like absolutely showered and half you can never tell and if you try to send it back they just do not understand ham is god over there well, I'm sorry about that. Honestly, it was an honest mistake. I didn't realize till I got home and I thought I'd picked it from the Serrano section and I'd seen it. I was like, oh, they've got it. But you're forgiven. Uh, thank you. It was just great. It was so it's just, you know, onions and carrots. Yeah. Sweat it down. Peas, chicken stock, obviously quite a lot of ham. You're supposed to purify it. Purify it? No. Puree. You're trying to you're supposed to make it smooth. Ah, I thought you were like dipping it in holy water or something. <laughs> 
The power of Christ compels you. So like Gwyneth Paltrow shit, <laughs> purifying my pea and ham soup. She doesn't eat ham, obviously, or peas. They're probably too sugary. Yeah, and so I, I left it a little bit uh, lumpy, as they were, because nobody likes a really smooth soup. You've got the lovely sweetness of the peas. You've got the saltiness of the ham. It all comes through. 10 out of 10 would recommend it. Would do it again. So the next thing I did was the fataya. Oh, did you? I did, yeah. Oh my God, what goes into them again in this recipe? I think generally, like more widely, there are meat, like a meat pie, but these are squash or pumpkin. Yes. Feta and our old friend, the pine nut. It's the priciest of the peanut. Let me tell you, I have huge pine nut news. Okay. So we need a massive nut news, Claxon. <laughs> for this <laughs> it's not that massive it's that in Lidl they are cheap <laughs> like most things so I got a little a little, little tube of them for like £1.30 and ah. honestly I like gasped with delight when I saw that they were in the little section little nut section we don't need a massive nut news klaxon we need a in Lidl it is cheap klaxon <laughs> Because yeah. that would go off all the time. It's the best ever for everything. First, I got some, um, on my trip to Lidl, some Maryland cookies with orange bits in. They're called Jaffinators. And we have not tried them yet, so I can't give you a review on those. Yeah, so you make like a dough, like a bread dough, yeast, flour, water, oil. Like, mm -hmm. good stuff. I, in my little fun test that I did with these, I'd ordered some YQ flour, which, for those people who don't know what it is, it's like a mixture of grains that, that somebody in the UK basically came up with this brilliant grain mix. And it basically is, I think it's like an agroecological way of growing it. It helps the biodiversity. I bought some and I was excited to try it because it's cool as fuck. We'll put in the show notes. There's a really good Guardian long read about it, about how it was invented. We'll link to that. So interesting. So I thought I'd take a, a wild risk and do, not that wild, because I did half and half. I did half white flour and half YQ flour just to see how it worked. You get some squash. You roast it up with some garlic. Very simple. Yeah. Mash that up after it's cooled down you don't make a lot of dough which again is i really like that about this it's the opposite of david chang where you're just making lots of everything yeah. and you've got it in your fridge for weeks this recipe in the book makes four of these for tires you cut the dough into four you roll it out you put the squash in feta pine nuts and then you're supposed to fold it up in this beautiful triangle mm. i'm just bad at that stuff or i don't like to follow instructions i don't know what's wrong with me so only one of mine was a triangle one ended up looking like a like a chinese dumpling mm -hmm. and the rest just kind of looked a bit of a mess i'm so sorry I apologize to the guys but then you put them in the oven for a bit and they're great my one thing about it like the the squash maybe could have used like a harissa or something to just give it a bit of a kick because you've got that and the feta and the pine nuts like i just would have liked that that kick yeah. and you're supposed to serve it and we did serve it with this like tahini sauce which is kind of tahini lemon salt and pepper oil yeah. lovely yeah. really nice they would be great for like a picnic like you could make them the day before it wouldn't matter if they were cold love them and the the flour was great it tasted just really like yeah like whole grain wheat flour yeah sounds great Really impressed with those. I'm loving this book, as we can see. I'm just, I'm loving it. It's so good. <laughs> the final thing I made was the grilled chicken wings with tahini. Ooh, loving all this tahini action. Very, very on board. 
I know that you love tahini, so I know that yours will probably be tahini heavy as well. And oh, you're shaking a head, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't think I used tahini once. What was I thinking? Wild. Because I, I don't know. Must have spread it on my toast for breakfast that day. <laughs> Pour it into your mouth for an afternoon snack. I literally have eaten a spoon of tahini for an afternoon snack. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> I love chicken wings. So I love to see a recipe for chicken wings. What a fun idea. Also on the tahini and a lot of the ingredients in this book, very pre-Ottolenghi, Ottolenghi ingredients, yeah. right? Obviously by that I mean Middle Eastern. So there's yeah. tahini, there's sumac, there's za'atar, like all of that is in here. So Sam and Sam maybe should get a little bit more credit for <laughs> getting za'atar on the shelves. <laughs> Um, but yes, chicken wings, you kind of marinate them for as long as you want, should be an hour, in tahini, some cumin, some paprika, some lemon and some oil. And then you're supposed to, well, you're not supposed to, they say the best results would be on a barbecue and they would be great yeah. on a barbecue, yeah. grilled over real fire. I would have loved that. I don't have a barbecue and it's February. So... I I put, I put them in a hot oven, which was another suggestion in here, which I love because it gives you so many options on how to cook them. Yeah. Could have also done them on like a griddle pan. Mm. They would have ended up nice. Really hot oven for like 15 minutes and they get that nice kind of crust yeah. on them. Crispy skin. Yeah, and then the tahini as well, and um, oh, loved it. And then you're again supposed to serve it with this tahini sauce, right? And that means there's quite a lot of tahini going on in one dish. So I think I needed something to cut through that. Yeah. And I wasn't sure, quite sure what that was. I think it might, yeah, like a harissa or a, some kind of spice. I did have some hot sauce with it yeah. mixed in. I think it can just be a bit like cloying. Yes, I was gonna say cloying, but I didn't. I didn't know if that was the, <laughs> the right word, but yeah too much um too much depth of flavor <laughs> that sounds great though because tahini cooked kind of takes on a whole new dimension as mm. well so i can imagine that working really well yum yeah what i wish i'd done for the wings and if i made them again this is what i would do is my favorite chef slash food person in the world is kenji lopez alt yes and maybe one day we'll talk about his book but he has a wing kind of method he calls them oven frying them okay. so you're supposed to be able to get that crispy deep fried feel but from the oven you basically dry them out with baking powder toss them in baking powder and then you leave them on a rack in the fridge at least overnight Wow! so they really dry out and then you cook them after and they're amazing I've done them quite a lot of times like that and they do get all crispy and lovely yeah. and then you can toss them in whatever you want so I I would do that if I did it again. Wow. Kenji Lopez Alt. I am ashamed to say I only really discovered or like noted the name within the last mm. couple of weeks because there was the viral scrambled eggs recipe. Yes. Where to be like super creamy scrambled eggs, you make almost like a kind of, they call it a slurry, which I feel is an unfortunate word, but maybe that's just like my rural <laughs> upbringing <laughs> and the smells associated <laughs> with that. But it's like a flurry of corn flour and water and then you mix that mm. in with the scrambled eggs and it's meant to make them super creamy and delicious which I I'm definitely going to try sounds great it just seems like he's the technique person yeah right? trying crazy new shit yeah I think he has like all sorts of chemistry backgrounds so he's very scientific worth a follow on Instagram yeah. anyway so yeah really happy with all I cook would cook all of them again even made the dough and didn't feel like I'd messed it up even hand kneaded it wow I know what a lovely wholesome tale this is <laughs> I know I'm a changed woman <laughs> love it
What did you make? I made a few things because I was cooking for my flatmates. That, that's the other great thing about the book is everything fits in so well together that you can yeah. definitely just pick and choose what you're feeling. So I made the aubergine and red pepper with caramelized butter and yogurt. Ooh. I made the chickpea salad. I made patatas bravas. And I made flatbread to go with it all. So many things. So many things. And like you, everything was wonderful. The flatbread, I do think I buggered up a little bit because it was very crispy. And it does say mm. to brush it with a little oil and pull it from the oven before it gets too crispy. So my bad, I think I buggered that up slightly. But the other things all turned out perfectly. There's the patatas bravas. So you very hoppy-esque, twice cook the potatoes. <laughs> you blanch them mm -hmm. in oil first and then you, you make your tomato sauce on the side which is quite like a little bit spicy it's got some paprika going on in there and it's just got an amazing depth of flavor and you crisp up the potatoes again on the second cook and then you serve it all together again I really need to eat dinner before we do this podcast because when I start talking about the food <laughs> then I have to like I just start salivating like a creep the chickpea salad was so good and I feel like that would be a really good barbecue dish because that mm. is it's all just cold there's not really any cooking required what's interesting is you start off by making a paste with garlic and salt and you kind of mix it all up so it literally goes to a paste shockingly but that mixed with everything <laughs> is just such a great way to eat raw garlic that isn't gonna completely just kill you yeah. So then it's that garlic paste, onion, red wine vinegar, cucumber, tomato, green chili, mint, coriander, chickpeas, which you're meant to soak. Guess who took the shortcut and bought the tinned chickpeas? <laughs> there are people. They're your people. I'm not the dried <laughs> bean girl here. That sits in the fridge and all the flavors kind of melt together. And it's just so fresh tasting, a little bit spicy, a little bit cooling. It's just bloody great. Mm. and then the aubergine and red pepper with the yogurt was really interesting it's a Turkish dish so you grill the aubergines and peppers till the skin comes off till it's kind of all burnt and blistered and you then peel it and you make the aubergine into like you know kind of a pulp which isn't everyone's cup of tea a lot of people think aubergine's a bit slimy a bit slimy mm. yeah but I I disagree with those people you slice the red pepper and then it's served with what they call caramelized butter but I think most of us know it as brown butter so you cook it till it kind of sizzles and gets all nutty and then you serve it with some Greek yogurt that's just thinned out a little mm. bit it's such a interesting rich but light blend of flavors and obviously you kind of scoop it up with bread because it's all quite saucy 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 naughty. it was just brilliant question mm -hmm. when you're kind of blackening your aubergines and peppers do you have a gas hob in your flat no if i did i would just oh. do it on the gas hob i just did it under the grill so it takes a little bit longer but it still mm. kind of gets there in the end <laughs> Sounds like we've got to have a barbecue. I know. Post all of this, a moral barbecue. But yeah, we shouldn't kind of pigeonhole it that way because there's loads of things no. that you can yeah. do that are just appealing. It's it's just like it's great entertaining food because it's hmm. quite easy, a lot of complimentary flavors and everything you can buy pretty readily. Yes, that's what I was going to say to you. Like, did you have to buy anything special for this? Because I didn't. I had most things. No, literally nothing weird to buy at all. No, the only thing, there's a couple of really nice recipes with saffron. I don't really know where to buy saffron. M&S have it for like 150. 
Do they? Of all places to have anything for 150, M&S have saffron for 150. <laughs> wow. Another cool thing about it is that every few pages they'll focus in on an ingredient or or something. So I just turned to the saffron page and they talk about what it is and there's like a nice picture of, of like a saffron box, I guess. And they talk about, yeah, things like anchovies and sardines. Yeah. Because obviously that's big in Spain and Portugal. It may, you know, what it made me actually want to do is change all of my crockery. Oh. Because I just feel like also the pictures in here are really lovely and they've got all these lovely bowls and, you know, Moroccan looking bowls and stuff. And all of my bowls are crap and I want more. So that's all. If you want some kitchen porn, look at (laughs) Sam and Sam Clark on Modern House website and The Guardian. They live in Highbury or somewhere really nice. Yeah. And they've got a 1950s cooker that's from the kitchens of Westminster Abbey. Oh, cool. And their kitchen just looks gorgeous. And I bet they have really nice crockery as well. So was there anything else that you wanted to cook? I feel like I already know the answer to this question. Yes, the salt cod croquettes I was very, very almost going to make Mm -hmm. because I love them. Who doesn't love a croquetta? Yeah. But I I tend to shy away from the deep frying part of it. I'm worried about the smell. I'm worried about my cat <laughs> jumping in there. Oh, I thought you meant <laughs> just I just got things I'm worried about. My cat, <laughs> my job, smells, <laughs> the environment. <laughs> coronavirus so but that is on the list and also you know maybe if i ever get like an air fryer i wonder how they'd go in there i don't want to buy an air fryer but i'd like to try one i wish there was like a library of air fryers for the day have you seen into the future library of things (laughs) also there's a what looks like a really nice i think it's just called chicken with garlic bay and wine um what a night (laughs) (laughs) it's the step up from netflix and chill (laughs) chicken bay and wine (laughs) which again it's just like a night looks like a nice you know evening dish so and basically everything it's just everything really love it what about you very many things adobo yeah so in seville (laughs) loads of places do adobo which is like a marinated fish and Hmm. it's it's quite zingy it's quite um there's a lot of vinegar in there it's addictive it's so so good and there's a recipe for adobo in here it mentions using dogfish which i don't know i've never seen that here it said you can use like a uh, monkfish or something as well so i would really love to try okay. and make that here there's poached eggs with yogurt sage and chili which sounds really good i think nigella made turkish eggs quite fashionable and again maybe sam and sam clark should be credited with a little something yeah. there because th- this predates that look if there's anything that this podcast has taught us is that nobody should be credited with anything because everybody somebody did it first yeah <laughs> hoppy and his double cooked chips <laughs> sam and sam clark and the lovely middle eastern ingredients when it comes out that we've stolen someone else's idea that's the sound bite that they'll use <laughs> Um, just so much. There was also a walnut, lemon and cardamom cake, which looks yum. Yes. Yeah. I guess maybe that we should be fair. We have slated other books for not having many photos and this doesn't have a huge amount of photos. So we should probably call that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or 
not. Wow, you really are a nut. I like the photos. <laughs> yeah, but there's not photos for everything. How dare you talk about this book like that? I quit. I'm so surprised that you were into it this much because you were really ominous about it at the beginning. I thought, shit, she doesn't like it and I really love it. I know, surprise, bitches. I wonder <laughs> if... Because I feel like there's quite a lot of photos in mine because we have different editions, right? Mine looks like... Maybe. It's got like a, a dashing man in a like a Panama hat. Oh, yeah. He looks jaunty. And mine is more like a kind of a <laughs> Moorish kind of tile. So maybe you've got less photos than me. I think I have the, like the first ever edition. Not the first ever edition. That would be quite the commitment to this book. <laughs> she really likes it, guys. Okay. <laughs> Signed by both Sam and Sam Clark and their children. Sam, Sam, Sam. <laughs> Okay, let's rate. Let's rate. So, before we do so, just a reminder about the Cookbook Circle rating system. Very scientific. So, every episode, we rate the book that we've talked about based on five different things. And they are usability, accessibility, ingredients, aesthetics, and is it veggie friendly? Um, we always choose a different thing to rate with. So, for example, last time with David Chang, we rated that out of piggies because he loves pork. There's pork all over that book. And this time we are, <laughs> unsurprisingly, rating it out of five Sams. Sam, Sam, you get a Sam, you get a Sam. <laughs> Everybody gets a Sam. Hannah, how many Sams does Sam and Sam's book get? Five the first five. Woo. No, I gave How to Eat five oh, as did. well. Damn it. Our first baby podcast, eldest baby, firstborn. <laughs> the first Sam. <laughs> they all started looking the same after that. <laughs> I think this is equally as deserving. I think it's simple while being interesting, easy to navigate. It's easy to find all the ingredients. It's got just a whole range of stuff. It is veggie friendly because... There are many vegetable dishes in there and they're called out separately. And it's just excellent. I just, it's a new favorite. Yeah. What about you? You're not going to give it five. I'm also giving it five. Shut up. Yeah. Oh my God. I, there's no fault even I can find <laughs> apart from, you know, perhaps excessive tahini use. No, no such thing. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I think it's I think it's simple. I think there's so much stuff that you probably want to cook in here. All the ingredients are available and accessible. It's also not aged in the same way as some of the other books yeah. that we've done. It seems very relevant and modern and stuff that you want to cook and it did make me feel excited and I kind of didn't want to stop cooking from it. Like it really it really got me. Yeah. So it gets a 5. Wow. This is a first. Yeah. Making CBC history here. This is the first time we've really agreed on a book, you know, really thought the same thing about a book. I think so. Wow. Wow. Sorry if this is boring to listen to. <laughs> it will be a fleeting feeling. <laughs> Although, actually, when we talk of next episode's book. Oh yeah. What's next episode, Vic? So if there was ever a chef that we were going to fangirl over, it's going to be Heston Blumenthal, but that's not next week. <laughs> Shut up. Him and his arm pitchy. <laughs> no. If this episode's book was a kind of a shock in terms of how much we were impressed by it, next episode's book, we are both expecting that we'll be impressed and fangirling over it. So we'll give you that warning now. And it is Nigel Slater's Kitchen Diaries Part 1.
I can't even say anything. I'm just looking at you with like a dreamy <laughs> expression. We love Nigel Slater. I just love that man. I mentioned him earlier in this episode. I think we might have mentioned him in every yeah. episode. And thank God we're finally getting to him. I feel like we've put it off. Delayed gratification for this one. So check back in if you want to just see us as, you know, two heart eyes emojis talking. <laughs> we don't know that. We might find fault. I've had a little browse, but I haven't started cooking from it yet. And, you know, maybe maybe it'll be shite. We don't know. It's, <laughs> it's not going to be shite. Gonna be shy. <laughs> okay, we'll hold back some of the dreamy talk for the actual episode. Episode six. Woohoo! Thanks to everyone who's listened to our first five episodes. It's been yeah really overwhelming incredibly overwhelming in a good way (laughs) (laughs) we're not like rocking back and forward in a corner about it we're we're really happy and we have lots of really fun exciting countries listening to us we don't know who you are we don't know how you find us you don't know why you're listening to us but thank you so much either way let us know let us know who you are why you're listening and if you like us please tell us (laughs) we'll see you next time bye thanks so much for listening to this episode of the cookbook circle don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and if you've enjoyed it please leave us a review as it helps others to find us you can see how the recipes from this episode turned out on our instagram at cookbook circle and if you make anything from the books we talk about please don't forget to tag us see you next time Bye. bye even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more and the best part about quince they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe ethical and responsible manufacturing elevate your style without the elevated price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry shampoo, Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.